0: Heavenly Father, you truly are a good, good God. God, we sometimes take for granted the fact that you've given us this gift of Sabbath where we can just pause all the things that annoy us, that bother us, that cause us anxiety. And we can just learn to be present to you and to each other. So as we read these two stories, um, Father, we just ask that you would give us new eyes to see what we've probably read hundreds of times. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I want to begin by asking a question, and I want to to ask this question, how are your bones? How are your bones? I know some of you, us, (laughs) I'm 37, but I feel my body's like that of an 87-year-old, like everything hurts all the time, but we think about it, and we think about our bones, and And we just, we know when they hurt. We know when we've broken them or strained them. We know when something in our body hurts and we we can pinpoint and say, like, oh, I'm just not feeling good. So I want to ask a slightly different question How are your spiritual bones? You see, your bones are what make up the exoskeleton of your body. Your bones really, in a sense, are the thing that keep us upright. I mean, it's our legs and the muscles and everything else, but without a bone, we oftentimes have to get special like prosthetic uh, like feet or legs or whatever. But our bones are the very thing that make us able to stand upright and be able to move our arms and move our fingers and move our neck. It is that thing, it is our skeleton that helps us to be able to live and move in this world. But what if I said, how are your spiritual bones? And we use the same metaphor of our regular bones, but then we begin to say, well, what is the thing that is within us that helps us to keep walking in this life of faith and relationship with God? I wonder what our questions or our answers would be to that question is, well, how are my spiritual bones? Because we often can point at all the bad and negative things in our lives, or we can look at our past and say, well, like, all these things are bad, and then we bring all of those emotions, feelings, anxieties, sadnesses, frustrations of our past, and then we begin to put them into our, our present, and everything seems to be darker than it could be. So this past week, a couple of us were at a conference, and it was Thursday and Friday, and the conference was basically four leaders— But it was Christian leaders, and we would start at about 8.30 in the morning and go until about 5, and there were speakers every 30 to 45 minutes. So just imagine being in a church service, and you hear preacher after preacher after preacher. And it wasn't just Bible stuff that they were teaching us, but they were also teaching us about the way our brain works, about the way our bodies work, about how our emotions and our mental health and all this. And here's one of the things that I learned when we're thinking about our spiritual bones. How you're feeling right now about yourself, your life, your life experience, when you look back over your past, you're only going to see how you're currently feeling right now. So if you're in a depressive state, when you look back over your life, you're only going to focus and remember the moments in your life where you were depressed, anxious, frustrated. That's the way the brain works. And the good news is, is that you can change the way you think and see the world And by doing so, as you look back over your life, you then can begin to see all of the good things that happened in your life. Did you know that? I heard this from a neuroscientist this last week. I learned this. Your brain can refresh its thoughts every 10 seconds. Think about that. Have you ever known someone who's like upset, but then like 10 seconds later they're like, "Ah, whatever, I'm over it. That's because your brain has the power to literally, and you have to obviously make it reset itself, but every 10 seconds you have the capacity to reset your emotions, your feelings, your anxieties, and say, I'm going to reset this with a new thought and a new action. And what ends up happening when it comes to our spiritual life, a lot of the times we just kind of see the world as this dark, horrible place. And then we just kind of think like everything is getting so bad, and everything is getting worse and worse every day, and everything is just going to be terrible, but the way God created you and made your mind and the way your body to work to connect with each other is that you have the capacity to continually change. And so if the answer to, you, to you, the question of how are your spiritual bones, some of you might be saying, well, I wish, I, wish, I wish my spiritual life was better. I wish my relationship and my connection to God was better. The good news is that you can begin to change that right now. 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006. It's awkward, right? 1,007, 1,008. And you can reset it every 10 seconds. Because God created you in such a way to continually be renewed and in the renewal process. So when God renews you, we know that it is a continual renewal of your soul. Because that's the way God created you. And in a sense, it's like every 10 seconds, you know that God is continuing the work of renewal in your life. But even then, sometimes our spiritual bones, they just feel frail. Our spiritual bones, they, sometimes they just feel like, like we don't have the Holy Ghost calcium that it needs to be strong. If you've ever broken bones, I've known people who break the same bone multiple times, to which I always say, like, maybe you should stop doing that thing it keeps making those bones break. And we do that with our spiritual lives. Isn't that right? Like we, we do that with our spiritual lives where, you know, they say the thing that got you here, doing the things that got you here aren't going to get you to where you want to go. So if you want your spiritual life to continue to improve and get better, if you keep doing the same things that aren't helping you get closer to God, you're not going to get closer to God And we know that God chooses us, God comes to us, God is continually inviting us, but God will not force us to enter into his presence. And so you have to ask yourselves, what am I doing for my spiritual bones? So I want to read to you a story, not a story, but I want to open up scripture to you in Ezekiel chapter 37. So if you'll open to Ezekiel chapter 37. I want to begin with verse 1. It's not on the PowerPoints today. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, and I'm just going to start reading. The hand of the Lord came upon me. This is Ezekiel the prophet writing. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were, many, there were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. And he said to me, Mortal Can these bones live? I just want to stop there for a second. The Bible scene shows us that Ezekiel was brought by vision into this place. It was a valley, and it was full of bones. And the first thing that comes to mind when I picture this, and and, I mean, we can just picture this. We've probably seen images of it at church, or if we've ever, you know, seen cartoons that— that retell the stories of Scripture, we, we often have this sense of this man and this, you know, and the messenger of God, and he's standing there in front of this valley, and it's just full of bones, right? And, and it's like in those cartoons, they make the noise of bones clanking together. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's answer is, Lord, you know. And what jumps out at me is, it isn't just one body, but many, many, many. And so here's the first takeaway that I get from this as we're thinking about our spiritual life. Who and what you spend time with and doing will ultimately either feed your soul or rob your soul of the spirituality that God wants for you. So like, if you want to get good at investing, you don't go and hang out with a friend that likes to spend all his money and lives paycheck to paycheck, Right? No, you go with people who have been successful at investing so they can show you the ropes. If you want to get fit and in shape, you go and you hang out with your friends that are fitter and more in shape and have healthier diets. You don't go and hang out with your friends that aren't. It's the same thing with our spiritual life. If you want your spirituality to grow, if you want your spirituality to be deepened and have solid roots then you spend time with people who have gone further along the journey of faith than you, and then you ask to just be a part of their life. Everyone else, every one of us has that. Many of us, and if you don't, I would suggest that you would look for someone who is further along the journey of faith. Because there's a lot that we can learn from people oftentimes that are older than us who have experienced more in life, and just being present to them will help us to grow spiritually. Now, we know that only God causes our spirits to grow But God sends messengers into each one of your lives to help you along the journey of faith. And so the first question that would come up to me is, who is it in your life who can lead you down this life of faith? But we go back to that initial question. What do your spiritual bones teach you? Now, the National Geographic, we all know this magazine, they had this cover story that said, The Lost Tribes of the Green Sahara, which sounds like an oxymoron to us because when we think of the Sahara Desert, what do we think? Desert, sand, no water, no trees, nothing. But the title says it's The Lost Tribes of the Green Sahara. And what this, this article tells us is that a group of archaeologists over, discovered over 200 graves at a vanished lake... Lake that indicated that in this land of the Sahara, it was once a fertile land. And they found over 200 skeletons buried, and they were like over a period, I think they were separated by a period of over 1,000 years or 2,000 years. So like this land had been fertile. And here's what they found out. Through the bones alone, they were able to, d- to see their sex, their age, kind of their general health, their diet, diseases, injuries, and the habits of those who had died. Not only that, based on the teeth of the Kiffian people, investigators could tell that their diet included coarse grain, they drank from a local water source, and they probably didn't travel very far from that area in the Sahara where they lived. The bones of these people disclosed that they were a little bit like light on the lighter side, like light, lightly billed, and had probably been herders. So, yes, what does that have to do with us today? As we make our way towards Easter, you know, Easter is the central moment of our faith the death and the resurrection of Jesus that changes everything for us as Christians. It is usually the time in our lives when Christianity across the board, not just our denomination, but denominations across the board and across the world will spend 40 days in this what we call the Lenten season where they fast from food, fast from sugar or alcohol, fast from Netflix or YouTube or whatever it is that's getting in the way of your relationship with God. And we do that because we say, like, there are definitely things that are getting in between my relationship with God, and I want to pause that for 40 days with the hopes that on day 41, I won't need that anymore. And so this is the time in the year where we kind of focus more on looking inwardly and reflecting and asking ourselves, how are my spiritual bones? How are your spiritual bones? What would your spiritual bones, if a Archaeologist was able to a spiritual archaeologist was able to come. What would they see about your spirituality and your relationship with God? Would it show a deficiency of a substantial diet of study, reflection, prayer, and a meaningful relationship with God? What would this examination tell you about the richness of your spiritual practice? How sincerely do you long and pray for the gifts of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control? What would be your answer if we asked, Can your spiritual bones live again? And so we come back to the story where Ezekiel answers God. God says, can these bones live? And he says, and I guess a paraphrase would be, God, only you know the answer to that question. And so we continue. Verse 4. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, "I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord." And so just think about that for a second. I'm going to keep reading so you can kind of see why this is important for us today. So Ezekiel prophesies. I said, I have been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, there were sinews on them, like ligaments and stuff. Flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Pause. You see, there is a way that these bodies, these bones were being put together, and for all intents and purposes, they looked like they were alive, but they were missing breath. You know, as people today in 2019, you know, we're all alive, we're all moving, we're existing in this world. But I think for many of us, we're not really, truly, fully alive. And when we ask the question about your spiritual bones and the things that make, you, that make up who you are and connect you to God, for a lot of us, if we're honest, it's really easy for us to be distracted from those spiritual practices that are going to connect us closer to God. I know for myself, this week was one of those weeks that like from Monday through Friday was extremely busy. I mean, all day, every day, there was something that was either coming up, something that I had to do, and I can tell you, and I can be honest and vulnerable, and you're free to judge me. But the Bible says if you judge, you also will be judged. But I'm just... I'll be honest with you, Thursday and Friday, I didn't have... My morning devotional time. I didn't spend time in my morning prayer ritual that takes, like I use timers for my prayer rituals in the morning. I didn't do any of that. I was doing something that was really good. I was going to a conference that was going to fill me up, but the spiritual practices that build up my spiritual bones, I didn't do. And if I'm honest, I don't think I did them on Wednesday either. It doesn't mean that I didn't think about God. It doesn't mean that I didn't look at the text for the week. It doesn't mean that I didn't do other stuff. But the stuff that matters in the very beginning of the morning for myself as a spiritual leader of this congregation, I didn't do those things because this week was just that busy. And I know that if it is my calling to be in tune with the Spirit on a daily basis, and if my life can get busy enough that I am pulled away from those things, and I know that your life— Listen, I drove in traffic this morning, this week— It's terrible for those of you that have to drive in traffic in Southern California. I know that if this was true for me, it might be true for you. And it's really easy for us to get distracted from the really important things in our lives of connecting and deepening our relationship with God. And so we ask that question, what would your spiritual bones show? Because for some of us, it may look like we're going through the motions of spirituality. Like, after all, we're here at church, right? So we must be good. But church alone isn't enough to deepen your relationship and deepen the roots of your faith that connect us to the one who breathes life. And so in Ezekiel 37, it tells us these bodies looked like they were alive, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal. And when he says prophesy in Scripture, it's to prophesy means, like, like right now as I'm preaching, that would be a version of prophesying. So like speaking with conviction, speaking from the Spirit, right? So that, that's what prophesy means. In case some of you are like, oh, it's a weird word that we don't use. No, we don't. So it's just another way is like speak with conviction. So he says, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon the slain that they may live I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a a vast multitude. I want to pause there. It's easy for us to look like we're alive and go through the motions of life. But if we're not connected to the source of life, you're merely just existing in a life of mediocrity. But God has called you to live a life not only of abundance, but a life that flourishes in every and all direction from yourself. God is the one who allows you to flourish and grow. That's why the Bible says you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the earth. But I fear that so many of us as Christians, we're not living as salt and light. We're living more like month old milk. Yeah. Cheese. It's called cheese. And instead of light, we function oftentimes more in darkness. Because for many of us, if we're honest, we're not daily connecting to the light of the world. You see, this image of Ezekiel 37 is a powerful metaphor for us today That it may look like you're going through the motions of faith. Listen, some of you are faithful coming to church. You give your tithes and your offerings. You serve in the church. But I got to be honest with you. I know that if you're doing everything you're doing right, and it still sometimes for us feels like, you know what? Like I'm doing all this for God, but I'm just not like my spiritual bones are, are weak. And I think sometimes what you have to do is take a step back from all the things you think you have to do in order to please God and just enter into the presence of God in prayer and say, here I am. Because the Bible teaches us that you don't even have to say the right words. The Holy Spirit prays on your behalf when you don't have the right words for God. People that struggle with their spirituality often say, do you pray? And they say, yeah, I pray. How do you pray? I pray like this. I said, okay, try this. Don't say any words at all. Just say, Father, I'm here now. And put a timer for three minutes and see what happens. See, conversation isn't just one of us talking Sometimes it means that we have to go into that presence and learn to listen to the voice of God. Now I've never heard God's voice audibly. I know I, I wish I have, but I hadn't. But sometimes just learning to be in the presence of God is what we need for life to breathe, for life to be breathed back in to your spiritual bones. Let's go to John 11. Two stories linked together. John 11 I'm, I'm going to read pretty quickly through the first part, all right? So buckle your safety belts. And um, if you're a guest of ours, like, yo, when we come to church, like, we, we want to get into the Word because we know that it, that through the Word, the Spirit has power to continue to shape and to transform us. So, like, you know, we don't go very long, but just if you're here, just trust us. <laughs> verse Chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the, the village of Mary and his And her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent a message to Jesus Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness doesn't lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now remember, in the book of, especially in the book of John, a lot of the things that we find, the stories that John tells us and the accounts that he tells us are always examples of how God can do miraculous things. All right, so remember, the valley of dry bones, your spiritual bones, God, you can look like you're alive, but only the Spirit of God can truly make you alive. That's the metaphor. So now we're going to this. Now keep that in mind in the back of your head as we're reading. Verse 5. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, Jesus' best friends. And after having heard that, Lazarus was ill. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Just, that's important. So he hears about it. He stays where he is two days longer. He doesn't go there right away to the people that he loves. Then after this, he said to the disciples, "'Let us go to Judea again.' The disciples said to him, "'Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you. "'Are you going there again?' Jesus answered, "'Are there not twelve hours of daylight? "'Those who walk during the day do not stumble "'because they see the light of this world.'" But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. After this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. Lazarus' body looked like it was alive. It had everything it needed, but it was missing breath. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, okay, like Lazarus is dead, guys. But for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him now. Thomas, who was called a twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Think about this. Awkward statement in scripture. In my Bible, when I don't understand something at first, I I do little red light lines under it, like a dotted line, so I can come back to it. But think about this for a second. Lazarus is dead. Jesus just told him that he's dead. And Thomas, like doubting Thomas, like the... Weakest link of the team, well, the second weakest link because Judas was the weakest link, but the second weakest link, Thomas, who had a hard time believing that Jesus was resurrected, he says, let us go also that we may die, which for me when I'm reading this today is a reminder that he wanted to be awakened by the one who is the author of life. You see, spirituality in your spiritual life is about learning to live in the light learning to live and walk, as the Bible tells us, by faith. The Bible tells us that we must live with, live in the Spirit. Now, Seventh-day Adventists, and I can only speak for our tribe because I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and that's all I really know. You know, Seventh-day Adventists, we're very good at, like, living by the rules and regulations. Like, amen? Like, it, like it's all right. Like, we're a real church, real people. We can have these real conversations. <laughs> We are. We have really good lists of the things that we should do and we have an equally good list of the things that we shouldn't do and we're really good at f- well, we're really good at talking about them cuz following them is harder but we're really good at knowing like right and wrong like I think we are. And here's the problem, sometimes we can get so focused on those lists of rights and wrongs that sometimes we forget that even more important and like the foundation of those things is to live by the spirit. See, living by the Spirit is really hard. Do you know You know why it's really hard to live by the Spirit? Because it requires you to listen to the Spirit. It requires you to stop talking and doing and take a step back from our doingness and say, I just want to listen to the Spirit today. You know, I often have had people get in a conversation like this. They think I have all the answers because I'm a pastor and I, uh, I try not to disappoint, but... They say things like, is it okay to do X, Y, and Z? And I always stop them. I used to be like, well, you know, the Bible says this. You know, like I I would go through this. It didn't change anything. They want to do it. They just wanted me to say like, yeah, it's not that bad. (laughs) But I say this, I stop them and I say, wait, hold on. You shouldn't be worried if something is a sin or not a sin. I think that's the wrong question because then that goes to just living by that list of rights and wrongs. Ask this question instead. Will this thing you want to do bring honor and glory to God? Or will it bring ultimate shame to you later? Is this going to bring honor and glory to God? Because the Bible is clear. Like, like, we get to live on this earth and enjoy it. Ecclesiastes will tell us there's nothing better for you to eat and drink and enjoy the work of your hands. Like, yo, God gives you this life as a gift. Enjoy it. You're allowed to enjoy but you always have to ask this question with this caveat. Will this thing that I'm about to do give honor and glory to God? Guess what? That's a lot harder. Because then you're just like, I want to do this thing. And the answer to that is quick. I know this isn't going to bring honor and glory to God. Some of you still go ahead and do it. But you know what I'm saying? Like, we all do that. Like, and, and the real question, when you live by the Spirit, is living by a new set of glasses and saying, will this indeed bring honor and glory to God? how I'm talking to my wife or my husband. Is this bringing honor and glory to God? You know, like, and this is one of the things they tell us. I'll come, I'll check back with you guys in like 10 years, even if I'm not your pastor. I mean, I'd like to be your pastor 10 years from now, but if not, I'll come back 10 years from this. Kara, write this down. Well For those of you that are still left, and I'll tell you about our parenting. But. <laughs> You know, when I was like 26 years old, I would give sermons and I would tell parents like, "This is what you need to do with your kids," and they'd just laugh, roll their eyes, okay, pastor. Somehow, I always cite it on the side of the kids, but go figure. <laughs> no, but here's the truth, like when you're a parent, this is what they tell you, this is what they, this is what we hear all the time, right and, and And so, like Kara's dad has always asked us like, have you you know have, have the both of you had this conversation about how you're going to raise your kids?" And in my mind, I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'll be in charge. Like, just let me do everything, you know? And Kara is full of grace and mercy and peace. She's like, okay, whatever, like, you know. But here's the truth here's the truth. Here's what they say If you have two parents and one parent is all about the rules, the regulations, like, and they're black and white about everything, oftentimes, It'll appear as the child is following those rules because they don't want to get yelled at or grounded. But a lot of times what we hear about parenting is like, or about kids is like, but then they find ways to sneak around and do the things they're not supposed to do. But to their parent, it looks like they're doing the right things. Does that make sense? But then if you have another parent who is kind, patient, loving— willing to dialogue with you about something, what kids will say is like, I don't want to do those things because I don't want to disappoint my father or my mom, whichever parent it is. I do it because I love them. I don't want to disappoint them. I don't want to do this to them. And so we are children of our heavenly parent. And the Bible is clear, like God's kindness and patience is meant to lead us to our repentance. Like God is kind. He's not coming down to smite us. You know, and so like if we, if our kids are smart enough to know how to manipulate us or to live out of love as we as people of spiritual people with spiritual bones and a soul, like it's easier or it's harder but easier to live by the Spirit because then it's about I want to bring honor and glory to my Heavenly Father and I don't want to disappoint Him. Like, I don't want to bring a bad and dark stain on the name of God. You know, that's why so many people walk away from Christianity or altogether reject God because they say things like, well, if David is a Christian or a pastor, what kind of God is that? Like, that guy's a hypocrite. He does this, 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 and the other thing. And so a lot of times the way we live our lives actually bring a dark stain on the person of God because people just see us. But you see, when you live by the Spirit, When you're fully connected constantly that every 10 seconds of the day resetting yourself and trying to, the Bible tells us, to be continually in prayer, which which is like continually being aware of the presence of God in your life, then all of a sudden everything begins to change then all of a sudden when you realize that you are living a life as like a poster board or a poster child or like a billboard for God, then all of a sudden you're no longer just living for yourself, but you're living for something so much bigger that now when people see you, they can say like, okay, I understand why they are who they are. So let me just, let me wrap this up, okay? When Jesus arrived, verse 17 He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, so he was dead, dead. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, now remember, these two sisters, Mary and Martha, Mary was the one that anoints Jesus' feet and all that, right? Remember that? Martha was the one that was about going about the housework, preparing the food, cleaning the food when Jesus and his disciples came over. So Martha was the doer, the one that was like having to do the right things all the time. Mary was the one that took time away from all the busyness and important things and urgent, and she went to the thing that was most important, which was being in the presence of God. So these are the two sisters. Martha said to Jesus, verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Like, she's still after it. But even now I, I know that God will give you whatever you ask, for, ask of him. And Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I know, I know. At the last day, you know, he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So, like, Jesus was like, he'll be resurrected again. And she's like, no, I know, I know. Down in the future, something will happen. But right now he's dead verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. But listen to that. I know, this is like Jesus is, this is why John is so powerful if you're patient enough to like study and read. So many times our faith is about future events, about things that are gonna happen and then we'll go to heaven. But the book of John is John saying like, yes, there will be a resurrection in the last day. Yes, we will be in eternity with God for all eternity and we will start off in heaven, but then we'll come to earth and this will be the new earth. Like like John is like, yes, we long for the age that is to come, but through the stories of Jesus we find that it's not just for the future it's also for the present that's why Jesus says look you you want to see a resurrection I am the resurrection and the life. If you come to me, if you believe in me, your spiritual bones will be strengthened. Just like the valley of the dry bones, not only will you look alive, but the breath of God will be placed in you if only you come to me because I am the one that is coming to you first. I am pursuing you. I am inviting you. I want you to welcome you into my family. And what we find in the story of Lazarus is Jesus says it's, it's about the future, but it's also about today, right now, in your presence. And I am the resurrection and the life. I know you can resurrect him, Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life in the now and the present. So let's just finish off the story. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with him in her house consoling... I'm reading kind of fast, sorry. ...saw her, Mary, get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came with Jesus and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, "'Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died.' When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, "'Where have you laid him?' They said to him, "'Lord, come and see.'" Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the... Always, there's, always, there's always someone. Could he who had opened the eyes of the blind man, could he not have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Talk about foreshadowing, okay? Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, Already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Think about that. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. If you haven't read this story, spoiler alert, he raises Lazarus from the dead. You see, the the book of John is a continual, and I'm going to wrap up with this, the story of John is this continual line of story after story of the hand of God reaching into human history and doing the impossible that no one thought could happen. That's why we pray for people when they're sick. That's why we anoint people, because we believe that the power of God and the hand of God is still moving and God can still heal. Even when people aren't healed, we still defer to God and say, God, only you know. And one day at the resurrection, at the last day, we will know why. Our job is not to know why. Our job is to just know that if we're in the presence of God, as the Bible tells us, we will see the glory of God. And you will see the resurrection and the life in your life today. For many of you, you need a little resurrection in your life. For many of you here this morning, your bones, you said like, man, my dry bones, I'm in the valley right now with Ezekiel, and I don't know how to get out of this. I don't know how to pull myself out of this funk. I don't know how to pull myself out of this feeling of downness. And if you're in that spiritual funk, I can only tell you this, all it takes is an open and willing heart for God to begin to pull you out of that. If you're in that spiritual place, what w- w- some ancient Bible writer, not Bible writers, but what some of the early church fathers would say is the dark night of the soul where everything just isn't making any sense and you just are looking for a light, like, I am going to pray for you right now, but I also want you to email me or text me because my job as a spiritual leader of this community is to be able to help you deepen your relationship with God and walk alongside you in your journey of faith. And I know a lot of times people will say like, oh, pastor, I know you're busy. I don't want to bother you. Like, I want to be bothered by you if this is your problem. Because my calling is to help you to live the life that God has created you to live, the abundant life, one that flourishes. And if you feel like you're just floundering in this darkness, please come and talk to me as soon as possible. Email me, text me, whatever it is. Because I want us to be a community of people of the resurrection. Not just in the future, but Today a resurrected people that are living new lives in the newness of God that God is doing through you now. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know your children who are here this morning. And you know the person that as I was speaking these words this morning was saying, my bones are dry and I need something, something more. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask now that your spirit would descend on them and fill them with a double portion of your spirit. Father, we read these stories in Scripture because we know that you still do the impossible. Give those who need courage, courage. Give those who need strength, strength. But may we all see your glory now. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Amen.